Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Thank you for making this message a part of your week. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we would love for you to visit our tribe family. We meet on Sundays at 5.30 at the Snow King Conference Center. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find us online or on Facebook by searching tribejh.com. Turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 24. Now we're going to get into the message, Luke chapter 24. We are in the second week of a series about the Holy Spirit, the power to overcome. And last week we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which kicks off as kind of the inauguration of a new dimension of a relationship with the Lord. I chose my words very carefully by not saying a deeper or, uh, or, or a better relationship with the Lord, because that puts all of our relationship with the Lord on sort of this gradient scale. And if I have the Holy Spirit and you don't, that somehow you might think that that makes me a better Christian than you. And that's just not true. The Holy Spirit makes me better than me when I, when I embrace and give the Holy Spirit permission to operate in my life and through my life. And it all is, it all gets kicked off with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When a person gets saved, that's what gets a person up to heaven. When a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's what gets heaven down to earth. And that's what we talked about last week. You can go back and listen to that message if you'd like. Tonight, we're gonna be talking about the power to overcome. And we're gonna read some of the very words of Jesus recorded in the book of Luke, chapter 24. And I'm gonna start reading in verse 44, the very end of the book of Luke. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said, when I was with you before, I, who's speaking in this? Jesus, very good. When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. Talk about a party. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all of the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sin for all who repent. And you guys are witnesses of these things. And then verse 49, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from on heaven. I really like what verse 49 says from the Passion Translation. Let me, let me read that for you. And I will, I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. So stay here in the city until the mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you. So tonight, what I want to I talk about the power to overcome. But we need to lay a little bit of a theological, we're going to continue to lay a theological foundation. And we're going to talk about what happens when a person gets saved when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So if you don't know this yet, uh, you, you, the moment you were conceived in your parents' womb because your mom and dad broke the law, they had sin in there, they passed that on to you right in the womb. And you, you always hear me quote uh, Cross Movement. They says, uh, sin's fatal long before the cradle because it creeped in through your navel. Right? So you are born fallen. 
You were born messed up. Even if you were just like the most goodest, nicest person and you recycle and you drive a Subaru, like it, it don't matter. It don't matter. The Bible says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's why we need to be redeemed. That's why we need to be saved. We need to be saved from the penalty and the punishment of sin, right? And that's what we talked about last week, getting baptized into Jesus. When a person gets saved, they get born again. And when a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence on the in side of them. And I've got a few verses here that, that I want to share with you. So take a look at this. When a person gets saved, it's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That jar is you and that red arrow is the Holy Spirit. Whoop. Everybody say whoop. whoop. Oh, that's good. Write this verse down. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse 21 and 22. Let me read it for you. And it's going to be up here on the screen. Now it is God who establishes both us and you in Christ. He anointed us and placed his seal on us and put his spirit where? In our hearts as a pledge of what is to come. So these are some basic theological principles that you need to have buried deep within your heart. Whenever a person gets saved, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit takes up residence within a person's heart. We see it right here in scripture. He placed his seal on us and he put his spirit in our hearts as a pledge of what is to come. Now, if you were a Jewish reader reading this passage, this passage would mean a whole lot to you because you would pick up on the symbolism of, of this passage here. And for just a moment, if we can translate it into kind of our American uh, context, our Western culture and context, whenever a guy has been dating a girl and they're like, oh, I'm ready to spend the rest of my life with her, he saves up his money, he buys an engagement ring, and then, you know, uh, where, wherever it is, you know, hot air balloon ride or, you know, sitting across a haagen -Dazs. I mean, guys, come on, hopefully you got your game stepped up and it's more than just haagen -Dazs. I happened to propose to my wife at the base of the Torchlight Parade on New Year's Eve after I written down the village in the Torchlight Parade. I'm just saying, like, that's kind of the minimum of where you should start at. Flares, skis, it was a good time. And, and he gets down on one knee, right? And he gives an engagement ring to his girlfriend asking her to marry him. Will you be mine? And when she places that engagement ring on her finger, it's a picture to the whole world that she's now like off the market. The deal hasn't been sealed yet, but she's off the market. She's engaged to be married, right? I mean, that's right, you're with me? Okay, so in the Jewish culture, something similar, something similar would happen, but it usually wasn't a ring. It was, sometimes it was a, a very expensive, like, gold coin. And the, all the families, it, it didn't happen, like, you know, kind of wild and exciting places. Oftentimes, it happened, like, at family meals. And the young man would stand up, and he would pick up a certain cup from the table, and then he would state his vows. He wouldn't ask, will you marry me? He just, he just stated his vows to the young woman. 
I commit right here and now to love you forever, to cherish and to honor, you know, all that, all that stuff, right? And then if the young woman accepted it, she would pick up the equivalent cup because there are lots of different cups on like a, a, a feasting table like in a, in a Jewish family. She would pick up a certain cup and everybody at the table knew that that meant that that was her acceptance of the vows that he just made to her and there'd be a great celebration and then the young man would give her a token or almost like a seal or a deposit guaranteeing his return to come back and claim his bride. Are there any dots being connected for anybody yet? Are there any light bulbs going on for anybody yet? Come on, look at the scripture that we just read. And then here's what the young man would say. You've heard me talk about this a little bit before. The young man would say, I am going away to prepare a place for you. And when it's ready, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna claim my bride and I'm gonna take you to be with me where I am until death do us part. So this language here in 1 Corinthians is the language of love. It's the language of betrothal. It's the language of commitment. It's the language of, of a dowry that's being given. And I like what the Passion Translation says about this same verse. It's not on the screen, but let me read it to you. It is God himself who has anointed us. It's not like some weird, you know, like Pentecostal preacher. It's God himself who has anointed us. He is constantly strengthening both you and us in union with Christ. He knows that we are his since he has stamped his seal of love over our hearts and given us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring is given to a bride, a down payment of the blessings to come. In Revelation, maybe you've read about this, but in Revelation, they talk about the mark of the beast, you know, 666 on your forehead or on your hand, you know. Who knows what that's actually gonna look like or be. The world would love to put its stamp and its seal on that exterior, you know. You're damaged goods, you're no good, you're washed up, you're broken. You know, whatever that label is that the world will try to put on, you've been divorced, you're rejected, you're a failure. That just goes on the outside. But when you encounter the spirit of the living God, he places an indelible mark that cannot be erased. And it's on the human heart. And it is his Holy Spirit. That's what he's looking for when he comes back to claim his own. That is the mark or the seal guaranteeing your inheritance. Let me share another verse with you as we continue to lay this foundation. Turn to Ephesians chapter one, or you can look at it up here on the screen. Ephesians chapter one, verses 13 and 14. You can take a picture, you can read along, you can jot it down in your notes. And in him, you were, here's that word again, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, having heard and believed the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. This spirit is the pledge of our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Is this good news to anybody? That, that for the person that has invited Jesus into their heart, God has placed his seal on you. He has, he has placed an identifying mark on you in the same way like Guys, if you're single and you're dating that girl, you better put a ring 
on her finger. I mean, I'm not looking at anybody specific. All the young adults are like, <laughs> put a ring on her finger because she's still on the market until you come and, and claim that one, right? In the same way, God has paid such a tremendous price to be able to redeem you, to take you out of the marketplace and claim you as his own. When a young man puts an engagement ring on a girl's hand, it's like taking her off the market. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit is given to you. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is given to you as a mark, as a seal, as a token, as a sign of engagement that there's gonna be a wedding someday. That's good preaching, Brian. Oh, I'm gonna have to start cheering for myself up here. You're, you're, you're soaking it in, right? Is that what you're doing? Okay, all right, all right. Let me read the same verse to you from the Passion Translation. And because of him, when you, who are not Jews, heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. That's getting baptized into Jesus. That's getting saved. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what is coming. He is our hope, a promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom. I don't get excited. Don't make me be the only one here. Until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom for all the supreme glory and honor of God. Now, I did not put this next verse uh, on the screen, so don't, you don't need to go there, but I just wanted to share this with you. That, that when you get saved... The Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Not only is it a seal guaranteeing our inheritance, but according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19, he's also the place where the Holy Spirit loves to reside. Don't you realize, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price so you must honor God with your body when that verse says don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit when you look at that word temple in the Greek it can mean uh, uh, what you think of you know like a like a geographic place like a temple but it also means a sanctuary but not in the geographic sense sanctuary Think of a sanctuary like, uh, like, like, like the Raptor Center that, that they have out there in Wilson or the National Elk Refuge as a sanctuary. It's a haven. It's a place where you're welcomed, where you're invited, a place of safety, a place of security, a place where you can kick your shoes off and you just feel comfortable and at home. That's what the Bible says is your heart when you get saved. The Holy Spirit loves to dwell in and among his people. So don't ever think that you don't have the Holy Spirit until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's all that I'm trying to say in this first part. When a person gets saved, you get all of the Holy Spirit. 
All of the Holy Spirit indwells you. He is the seal guaranteeing your inheritance. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit where he loves to dwell his sanctuary. But I wrote this question down in my notes. If he lives in my heart, I mean, if I've already got the Holy Spirit, then why do I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And as this question popped up in my mind, uh, I saw a, a, a picture of a, a honey jar. And if you've ever been over to our house uh, for a meal or whatever, you know that the hunters love honey. Like we're, 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 we put it on, you know, grape nuts, a cereal. We put it on our pizza crust. And, you know, we, we don't go light. We don't skimp. We don't go liberal. If we could get it in 50-gallon drums, the hunters would get honey in 50-gallon drums and we would just shovel it on there. I don't know. We just, we just love honey. So if you, if you have this honey, all of the honey is, is in, the, it's in the jar, right? Right? It's in there. Okay. So this is like the, the infilling and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But something else needs to, to happen. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem until you receive power, the power of the Holy Spirit. When a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like the cap comes off and it allows, I'm, I don't even know, have you even been here before? Okay, welcome. Your hair looks really clean. I don't know. Open. Why isn't the honey coming out? It's a seal. Don't be nervous. Don't be scared. Y'all pray for him. Oh. But something blocking all the honey is in there. But none of it would come out. Mm. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you know that that's what, that's what rabbis would do? Mm. When they would start to teach their students the Hebrew alphabet when they were really little, they'd have a little wax tablet with a little stylus. And the, the rabbis would get the students to begin to write the alphabet but before the class, the rabbi would, would come by and he'd smear a little bit of honey on the wax tablet. Now, if you're a student in that class and you are practicing your Hebrew ABCs, where would that stylus regularly and frequently find itself? <laughs> Fulfilling the Hebrew word taste and see that the Lord is good. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart. But there's something about the baptism of the Holy Spirit that begins to release all that God has put in there in and through your life. You've got all of the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to need or you're ever going to want. But there's something about giving him permission to operate freely in your life that makes all the difference. Now, how much of this honey could you have tasted with that seal still on there, right? You're not afraid of germs. You work with those all the time. Come on now, taste and see 
that the Lord is good. There's a seal. He is a gentleman. He's not going to, right? Let's talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49. We've already read this. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with honey, power from on heaven. The Greek word for power in that verse is dunamos. It's where we get the English word dynamite. Power for what? I just jotted down a few of these things. They'll, they'll be up here on the screen. I want us to look at these. The power to overcome sin. Before a person gets saved, you are, the Bible says that you're a slave to sin. Even in, when you wanted to do right, sin was right there to trip you up. And sin was your master. The Bible says, therefore, after you get saved, sin no longer has to be your master. So it's the power to overcome sin. It's also the power to live righteous. Check this out. This is worth writing down. I'm made righteous when I get saved, but I'm able to live righteous when I get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wait, what was that? Say it one more time. Okay, I will. I'm made righteous when I get saved, but I'm able to live righteous when I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, when that little seal comes off. Uh, I wanted to mention this earlier in the message, but I'll hit it right now really quick. Uh, When you leave here tonight, um, at the tribe table, you can sign up to volunteer. You can also uh, take a look at, uh, I've got, I think I've got five books out there. For this series, I drew from uh, different teachers, different resources, um, and probably two of the main ones that I drew from from this series are uh, John Bevere and Robert Morris. Uh, a lot of what they have poured out in ministry, I've soaked up and, and now you're getting it. But you can go out there and, and look at those books. You can't buy it and you can't take it, but you can't take a picture of those books and you can go get them on Amazon and, and start read them yourself. Is that all right? So not only the power to overcome sin and the power to live righteous, but when a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they also get the power to produce fruit, real fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Think about an apple tree. Does an apple tree with its roots in the ground have to think hard about making apples? Or does an apple tree naturally produce apples? I've never, I've been in a few apple orchards, I have never seen an apple tree standing there in the orchard thinking, hey, you gotta produce an apple. But why is it that so many Christians live their lives like that? I gotta be patient. Oh, I gotta have love. Right? Why? Have you ever noticed that? Like, apples don't worry about making apples. Apple trees produce apples because that just comes natural to them. 
When a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like that, the Holy Spirit's in there, y'all. He's in there, working in your life. But when that seal comes off, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he begins to, and you give him permission. Holy Spirit, I love you, I trust you, and, and I yield all of myself to you. Holy Spirit, have your way in all of my life. All of your, the, the, the power to overcome sin, the power to live righteous, the power to produce real fruit. It doesn't mean that like, boom, 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 you know, it's again like, like apples are gonna start immediately coming. But as you cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit, as you continue to yield to his leadership in your life, you'll be surprised. Wow, normally I'd be really upset at that guy for sneaking in front of me in the lift line. But there's just love and there's just patience that, 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 that comes out. So we've talked about the power to overcome sin, the power to live righteous, the power to produce real fruit. How about the power to operate in gifts? And we're gonna talk more specifically about these in the next week or so. But the power to operate in gifts. And I know everybody's brain, they go right to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they go to tongues, they go to like, yeah, chill. Did you know there are actually three different lists in three different places in the New Testament where, where, where you can see the operation, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit operate? Not just the sign gifts that you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but there's, there's some in Romans, there are some in uh, Ephesians, and we're gonna get into these. But did you know that one of the gifts of the Spirit is leadership? Well, now that don't sound so creepy, does it? That doesn't sound so spooky or scary. Leadership. I mean, I, I know many of you. Many of you operate in that gift already. What would happen if you allowed God to place his super on your natural in that area? Some of you have the gift of faithfulness. Some of you have the gift of giving. Some of you... Oh, so we're going to get into, we're going we're gonna to talk more about the gifts. But when a person peels back that seal, you receive the power to operate in gifts. Doesn't that kind of make sense now why Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem? They were already saved. They were already saved. They had the indwelling, but he said that there was going to come an outpouring. So if the indwelling was the boop, then there's also the outpouring. Boop. All right, I told you, this is a team effort. The power to overcome sin. I got to land this plane. The power to overcome sin, the power to live righteous, the power to produce fruit, the power to operate in gifts, and I saved the best one for last. The power to love. The power to love. There's something that happens to a person when, even though the Holy Spirit lives in there, there's something that happens to a person when they peel back that seal and they give permission to the Holy Spirit 
See, I won't even pour it on your head. <laughs> when they give the Holy Spirit permission to operate in their life. And it can all be summed up and summarized in this last one here. The power to love. That's a good Jackson Hole message. Love, brother. You just got to love. You just got to love. I mean, even our, even our love is selfish without the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives, right? But when we release the seal of the Holy Spirit and he begins to leak out in our lives and through our lives, yeah, we get gifts. Yeah, you're probably gonna get a prayer language. Yes. You may get the gift of prophecy. You may be, get the gift of, of healing. You can seek for those things. You get the power to overcome sin, which is awesome. But that bottom one is the most important. And that's what this valley needs the most, right? The power to love. So that when they encounter you, I love how you guys are like holding your hand, like, like a bowl. You want a bowl? I love it. You guys are awesome. This won't make any sense when people listen to this on the podcast. because. So what I'm doing is I opened up that seal of honey and I'm giving people an opportunity to get just a little bit on their finger to fulfill the word of the Lord that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Not only the power to love a lost and dying world, the power to love yourself, because with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as you cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you begin to see yourself the way that God sees you. And he thinks you're pretty awesome. I've said this before, but you know that your picture is on his refrigerator in heaven, right? The power to love yourself. And then finally, the power to love God. When a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and if you haven't, you just don't know. Maybe you take his word for it. Maybe you take my word for it. There's this element of stepping out in faith. But if you, if you think you enjoy reading the Bible, if you think you love his word, it's like the difference between knowing the chemical composition of this jar of honey, reading books and writing papers on how it tastes, and then actually getting a dab on your finger right? The power to love his word. The power to love expressing your heart in worship. Y'all, worship goes off the chain as you cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit that's inaugurated by receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit.